A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff coming through episode one. Dad, welcome to the studio. Paul, that, uh, the title, Mm. where on earth did you dream that up? Hot Stuff coming through. Yeah, because it's got a very, well, it's just... It's sensual. Mm. It's salacious. Yeah. It's soporific. It's actually a reference to The Simpsons. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah. basically nothing to do with anything. Nothing at all. Love it. But it's a it's a good fun name. And anyway, it's... listen, it's really, really lovely to be back. Oh, good. I'm really excited. I've been, you know, thinking about it because I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigades for almost to the day, yeah. 10 years. Which is much, much longer. And I think this is worth pointing out to listeners of Loose Units. Dad was a firefighter much longer than he was a cop. So, obviously, there's a lot of incredible stuff that would have happened over that full decade. And weirdly, this stuff I remember some of. Because mm. I was a, I was too young to remember most of the police stuff. Mm. But I distinctly remember... I distinctly remember you coming home at the end of shifts um, during the... Uh, there, was, there was a big spate of very serious bushfires yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah, the, the 1994 bushfires were, were yeah. pretty... pretty uh, you know, full on. And I remember you coming home in the big, like, um, the high-vis yellow kind of, uh, you know, f- firefighting suit covered in charcoal. Mm. The smell of, of fires was mm. a big part of my Yeah, youth. no, it really gets into your clothing and, and, yeah, it's very powerful. Why did you join the fire brigade? Well, as the listeners may recall, I, um, at the end of the last season, that, that sort of carryover yeah. session we did when I was working for work cover. There was that situation where I went to the window and looked down, and there was this amazing fire where this uh, church, sort of a cathedral, yeah, at the top of George Street in Sydney, was well alight, and there were numerous aerial appliances, meaning platforms, ladders. You know, it was a it was a really really big production. I was looking down, and I just realised that I was sick to death of um, public service mentality, and I thought, wow, there's a uh, there's a job that I'd really like to. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if you'd looked down and seen anything else, would you have done it? Like what what was it about the actual fire that, that grabbed your eye? Um, well it was this sort of the camaraderie, the excitement, the adrenaline, you know, this the teamwork, mm. the fact that someone had litten lit a litten? No, no. Lit. Had lit, that's it. That fire. And he this particular person was actually going around. He had a bit of a problem with organised religion, so he was setting fire to numerous churches in Sydney. Really? Yep. But hang on, how do you know this? Did you run down and ask him what was going on? No, no, he'd, he'd long gone. Yes, what being, I'm saying. Being an arsonist, although that's an, that brings up an interesting point. Well, we can do arson. I think we should get to arson later. Okay. Because, God, that's an interesting topic. Mm. There are so many areas of the fire brigade that are really unique and distinct, and arson's one of them. But I actually wanted to ask you, what were your interactions with the fire brigade and with fires 
before you were a firefighter. Well, so, like when you were a cop. Yeah, well, we'd go to fires, obviously, because, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be traffic control. And then when I was in forensics, uh, we'd go in and... Remember that great story I told you about how we got, we'd get the sample of air by pouring out the... Yes! The container of water. Thanks. So I was involved. I, I'd, I went to lots of uh, fires, mm. but it was always, uh, you know, hours, days, sometimes weeks later... Then I got thinking, wow, this is... Because, you know, I missed the emergency services. Yeah. And I was in bed a few nights ago, and I'd always thought that I'd... I'd always wanted to sort of... I'd considered the ambulance, like, to to become a paramedic. Yeah. And then I had this really weird idea that maybe I could be the first person, maybe, in Australia to have done the three services, police, fire, and ambulance. Mm. And I'd kind of was a bit disappointed and I'd, I'd considered becoming a paramedic quite seriously mm. and then I remembered that I was um, a member of St John's Ambulance when I was in my teens so technically you did so I have so and I was I was I was into it big time so you're the, you got the because I know they have the um the Emmy the Grammy the Oscar and the Tony which is called the EGOT in Hollywood mm. so the big goal of most celebrities in Hollywood is to get one of those four mm. what you're saying is You've got the EGOT of, of emergency well, services. Well, you know, I, I really have done the three of them. Mm. And, uh, and and look, I'd like to just say this um, front and centre right now at the beginning of this uh, season that in case any listeners out there are thinking, wow, you know, like Australia's been burning. Um, we've received a lot of um, publicity internationally. Yeah. There have been a lot of tragedies. There, were, there was that terribly sad situation with the three American uh, pilots that they were doing water bombing a few weeks ago mm. in the snowy mountains, and their their plane crashed. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, the nine year old son being presented with uh, the award. Yeah. Um, it was really depressing. And but I I I, I want to stress um, here and now that you and I have been talking about this. This has been in uh, in sort of in in the planning for well over a year yeah long long before yeah i think what you i I agree we we aren't trying to capitalize upon the tragedy that that would make me feel really uncool no the plan was always to go from the police to the work cover authority Mm. um and then into the fire brigade yeah 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 and what i'd like to do in this season paul Mm. is um because i figure that 10 years i'm pretty well I, i feel as though i i've got some some street cred in terms of what it's like to be a firefighter yes so what I would like to do on this journey, I mean, I'm going to, there'll be some stories down the track um, that are so fucked up, they're so bad, they're diabolically horrendous. Right. And in fact, I'd, I'd go so far as to say that some of them are as bad as the worst of the worst in the police series. Christ. I know that sounds terrible. And mm. I'd actually, uh, I really had to dig deep into my into my memory to sort of because I'd really buried these stories mm. deeply. In fact, I was actually concerned whether or not we'd have enough material. Now, this happened with the police force stuff as well, but what happens with you is like you said, you bury these things deep so that they don't affect you. And listeners will regularly get in touch and say, "Is John okay? Is is this stuff affecting him?" Mm. But I mean, this was a long period of your life. And you were doing other things whilst you were a firefighter. Mm. Uh, but unlike with the police force, you didn't have mum around because mum wasn't mum didn't make the jump across to the, the fire brigade. So this was just a John Solo thing that you went off and did. Uh, when you enrolled in the fire brigade... Well, that's where I'd like to sort of start. Yeah, but I was going to ask, how did mum feel about it? Um, look, she's always just been one in, in the background. 
to be really, really happy if I'm happy. Right. Um, and she knows that I love, um, you know, adrenaline. Mm. In fact, um, when I first met Christine, she I just stopped skydiving and she sensed that I was missing it. And she said to me one day, look, let's let's drive down to Wilton. And, and I drove onto the drop zone and, and I sort of stood around and, and I just thought, no, I, I've, that's a part of my life. I've moved on from that. Right. I thought from a responsibility point of view, some, some might say, well, you, you didn't want to jump out of planes again, but then you wanted to be a policeman and a fireman, and they are a dangerous job. Yeah. The fire brigade is, uh, is particularly dangerous. But because it's dangerous, you're aware of the danger, and I think that makes you more um, vigilant in terms of what can happen. Sure. But look, let's come back to the process. Yes. So, so what I'd like to do is take people on a journey and give them a lot of behind-the-scenes stories. Yeah. I want the listeners to feel as though they are travelling with me and they and they get a real sense of like what it's like to be in the back of a fire engine under siren at so two in the morning. It's like a ride-along for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, okay, let's say let's say there are listeners out there who are, are thinking, okay, I want to join the fire brigade. Now, obviously, um, you joined, you know, decades ago, but what was the application process like? Um, the process to become a firefighter in New South Wales, that's a permanent firefighter with the, um, it used to be called the New South Wales Fire Brigade. Yes. It's now called New South Wales Fire and Rescue. Okay. Um, I had to wait for an ad to appear in uh, the press, so I waited for a few months. Yeah. So I stayed working, obviously, yeah. Uh, with uh, work cover, bought out of my brain, mm-hmm. and um, then basically the ad, uh, the ad was, you know, appeared in the in the local press, and apply, and everyone gets to uh, sit for the initial entrance examination. So that particular year in New South Wales, they required 110 firefighters right for the entire year, which basically means you'd have 10 people in every class. The first day. I was told to report to, um, I say the first day, the day of the exam. Yes. I had to report out at New South Wales University, uh, NIDA, you know, the National Institute of Dramatic Arts. I went to university there. Yep. Well, wow. well at NIDA, they, they, that's where you basically went. And I remember I caught a cab and I saw this queue that went for about a kilometre, uh, mainly men standing around. And I didn't know that that queue had anything to do with what I was about to do. And I got to the front of the queue. And it was, you accidentally then, auditioned for Macbeth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. So, sorry, the Scottish play. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I got to the front of this queue, I was told somewhat unceremoniously that uh, this was the queue for the uh, for the IQ test, you know, the initial test for the fire brigade and to go to the back of the queue. So I had to walk to the back of the queue. Was that part of the test? Did you fail the test by going to the back of the queue? No, no. I, I went to the back of the queue and then we all uh, went into this huge auditorium, yeah. this massive, massive room, and we all sat down at these um, at these individual tables. They handed out... They had a lot of um, uniformed fire firemen, mainly officers, sure. that were there to make sure people didn't cheat, although... I can't quite. I do know that in earlier years, sometimes they used to get other people to go and sit for their exams. Like they'd get current firefighters that were friends, right. and they'd go in and sit. But but this particular time, they'd got around that by you had to have a photograph, and you know they checked you out really, really because there was a fair bit of sort of that cheating going on. Because really? well, it was it's regarded. Uh, I'm not sure about internationally, but I know that in Australia, it's regarded as an incredibly uh, desirable job. To right. get into, right, and so we all sit down. It was a two-hour exam, and it was really, really difficult. Full-on IQ test, 
However, the thing with IQ tests is they start off really, really basically and that sort of lull you into a false sense of security like, and you're going... This is, is just, yeah, is this an apple or an orange? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, one of the one of the classics, they wanted to test your skills out in terms of your motor skills, your reasoning skills. And one of the classic things that I remember, they would have a pedal, a drawing of a pedal, and then at the end of this drawing, sort of over to the right, you'd have um, a reaction so that if you put your foot down on the pedal, yeah. but what you had to do with your eyes, you had to follow all the gears and levers, and then that in turn would enable you to figure out in your mind by depressing a pedal yeah. what reaction there would be at the very end. Okay. And you couldn't guess the reaction. You actually had to use your brain and eyes simultaneously, funnily enough, to figure out, are you with me, sort of? Yeah, kind of. It was like a like a maze. Like uh, not really. A, you had to follow it like a maze, but it was a matter of if you didn't concentrate, you would not know what whether this thing at the end of this contraption yeah. would go up or down. Okay. And then you another classic is you would have a river. Yeah. And you would have a boat in the middle of the river mm-hmm. with a rope attached, and you had to drive <clears throat> a tent peg into the soil on the bank. And then you'd tie off the boat, you're laughing, Paul. It sounds like you've taken a bong hit. <laughs> no, no, hear me out. <laughs> this is so fucking absurd. No, no, it's fascinating. No, because, I... no, no, the thing is that what you had to do, yeah. you had to figure out what was the strongest angle. You were given lots and lots of angles of a tent peg into soil, uh-huh. and you had to figure out which would be the likely um, peg yeah. at, the, at, at a certain angle that would be the strongest to hold onto this boat in the river. And what are the practical applications of... The- Fuck knows. Okay. <clears throat> to see how the brain works, I, I guess. I oh. mean, I'm, I'm not a designer of these tests. It sounds but, like they're not either, but... No, but but here's the thing. During this um, exam, I was so aware yeah. that of 22,000 people they were going to accept 110. So it's, it's effectively one of the most incredibly difficult jobs to get into. Uh-huh. And I was really, really focused. I was so focused that... A guy to my right collapsed. Wait, you made him collapse with your focus? Are you Professor X? <laughs> Paul. <laughs> a guy to my... Paul. A guy, a guy to my right, he, he, I, he, could, he may have had a heart attack. Oh, I'm sorry. And he collapsed on the floor next to me. And for a split second... Yeah. Because I've resuscitated people had resuscitated people prior to being a fireman. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a natural human reaction to go and help. Did you? No. I just glanced at him and thought, oh, fuck it. But and I kept going with my test. I, I mean, did someone not consider that a fail? No, no, no way. That's I didn't care about anything that day. I was so focused on doing well in this exam. Right. So, so the fa- my point is, a guy collapses next to me. He, he it may well have been. He, I don't, I don't recall the entire incident. Mm. But you know, obviously there were lots of people around in terms of officers that that came and assisted, and he was taken away on a stretcher. Huh. Now he obviously, well, I don't think he got into the fire brigade. In fact, I don't even know whether he lived. But this is this point is is to juxtapose the whole point about that's how serious it was in terms of getting into the brigade. Uh-huh. So I, I finished the tests, mm-hmm. of which there were numerous. And, um, you know, they covered liter- literacy, numeracy, um, reasoning, logic, yeah. many, many things. 
compassion you failed at, obviously. Failed compassion, yeah. dismally, uh, but I didn't care. Well, you wouldn't. I was very focused, as I said. Yeah. So I waited for months and months went by. And then I received notification from the Board of Fire Commissioners. On a, I've still got the letter uh-huh. saying, congratulations, you are now... Um, able to come and sit for the ne- next set of tests. Whoa. It is, it's just like the real NIDA. It's just auditions. Mm. So what did the next set of tests entail? Okay. Well, they were at Alexandria, which is the old uh, training college, mm-hmm. which actually has a, a station attached to it as well, a, an actual fire station. Mm. And it's got um, an amazing big tower where they, where they light fires and yeah, they sort of simulate all sorts of things that will happen on in a real fire. Yeah. Okay, so there are a couple of things about being a firefighter, uh, particularly in a, in, in a city. You're going to be dealing with heights a lot, okay? So you know how every fire engine carries um, a ladder yes. on top? That will get to around about maybe maybe up to, say, four storey, right. three to four storeys, mm. which is really, really high. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's a massive ladder. So what they did, they rigged a ladder up. Um, and you're all civilians, and you're just going out there, and, and you had to climb up this ladder, and then you had to lock one of your legs in between the rungs, yep. just one leg, uh-huh. and then you had to lean out backwards with both arms sort of spread-eagled like that. That's terrifying. And, and you know, it's the sphincter. My sphincter was oscillating rapidly. Sure. Because you're thinking something's driving you because you really, really, really want to, you know, succeed. Or it's the air being propelled out of your oscillating sphincter. Mm. And there were people below sort of monitoring everything, and, and they're very, uh, you know, switched on. I don't recall whether or not we were given a safety, whether they, whether there was a safety line. Well, well, hang on, what year was this? Um, 89. Okay, uh, it's 89. I'm guessing there were no safety nets. No, probably not. Yeah. And then you had to do this lean, sort of lean. And, and then another thing you had to do was you had to tie a rope around an axe and drag the axe up the ladder. Because oh. that's how they used to get 
axes and equipment up a ladder. Plus, like if you'd you... climb up a ladder, then you might have to use an axe to, say, smash a window mm. or something. So you had to be able to get this, whatever it was, this equipment. You might have to, dra- to drag, to tie the end of a hose, yeah. a branch, which called a branch, which back in the early days they were made of uh, copper or brass. Uh-huh. Uh, so there are lots and lots of things that where you would need to use um, a rope. So you're doing all that sort of stuff. The next test was they took you into um, a very big, um, like a, well, let's say a, a fairly uh, big room, like a, like a small warehouse. Yeah. And inside the warehouse was this amazing maze uh, made up of like a wire cage maze compartmentalized into numerous, numerous uh, tunnels. Yep. And they would, um, so you had a start and an end and they'd put um, you into a fully encapsulated suit. Yeah. Uh, with a mask, so you're very, very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. They would then blank out your um, visor. What? Yep, so you couldn't see. They would guide you, so they're sort of holding you and they'd help you get to the entrance to this maze, yeah. which was very, very well, very claustrophobic. It was black, and you had to find your way to the exit by going through this maze. Right. Crawling. Crawling? Yep. You couldn't stand up. Now, that particular test was... Fortunately, I'd done a lot of scuba diving, a lot of cave diving, a lot of night diving, and irresponsibly, I used to do a lot of night diving in Sydney Harbour by myself with no gauges. So I actually would just suck the last breath out and then go up. It was insane. Yep. But that, that's another another lot of stories. So I kind of find, when I'm in that situation, like with the blanket over me, yeah. I find it really cosy. <laughs> no, I do. I find it really, I can really chill, right. which is really important because you don't want to sort of but a lot of people get claustrophobia and they just freak out. Now, if, you, if you'd freak out during this whole process, mm-hmm. obviously they'd drag you out and you, you didn't get in. Right. So I, I made my way through the maze comfortably, got out. And then the next thing you had to do, they set up um, a mannequin that weighed probably in kilos from memory. I would say this mannequin weighed maybe 60 kilos. Okay. And you had to put him, I assume it was a male, Actually, 60 kilos is probably a woman. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was pretty heavy. And you had to uh, drag this mannequin mm. a certain distance in a certain time. Right. Um, just these are all strength tests. So they're doing height, fear of heights, claustrophobia, strength. Mm-hmm. You've already done all your IQ tests. And um, so they want like they want you to be smart, strong, resourceful, fast, all that other mm, stuff. Okay. Mm. Right. Yeah. They want you to be. Uh, I won't say superhuman, but, um, you know, they want you to be really, really capable because as the listeners will become aware once we get into the whole story, um, mm. you know, being a firefighter is um, there's a lot of gear that you uh, that you wear. And what they did, um, you know, did all the tests that day, then you go home for a few more months and then... And wait. And you're just waiting. Do you stay in shape over that period? Oh, or? did I stay in shape? I went swimming every single night. Yeah. I did uh, a lot of walking, running, soft sand running, mm. and I really, really, really was so focused. Yeah. I, it was my whole goal yeah. to to really get into the fire brigade. I thought it was because um, I knew that if I didn't get in, I'd be destined to become a you know a public mm. servant, or a mall just, cop. Oh, honestly, did, so depressing. How many um, how many police do you think head off into other emergency services? Like, oh, quite a few. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So do you think you're much more likely to get into, say, the fire brigade if you've spent time in the police force, for no, example? 
No. Really? Ir- irrelevant. You really? can be a police officer. Plenty of police have failed right. to get into the fire brigade. Plenty. Uh, plenty of everyone. Every, I mean, you know, it mm. doesn't matter who or what. It's just you have to really... You've got to be very single-minded, but you've got to have a lot of attributes. That, and, and the thing is that they're always changing the goalposts, so you don't always know what they're looking for this particular year. Yeah, okay. All right? Okay. Um, but in 89, you've entered, you've done your secondary, you know, round of... Uh, round of, I guess, auditions mm. at, over at, um, at this weird, you know, fiery Hogwarts with all its obstacle courses. Mm. So when that was done, then I went home and, um, you know, we were we were living in on the northern beaches. Yes, uh, you and Anne were were little kids. You remember where we were living? Yep, in Wheeler Heights, <gasps> in Greystoke Street. Wow. So Mark wasn't born yet at that point, was he? No. Okay. In fact, uh, well, he was born in eighty nine. He was born in eighty. So I- he was a really tiny. Well, obviously tiny. He'd just been born, but um, yeah, he was a you know a little little thing, and um, and you would have been what year were you born? Eighty three. I'm just watching you with horror. Eighty three. Okay, cool. So, so you were you were six. Well, okay. Here's a here's a question, and I'm sure this is a go to some listeners. Two kids, little kids, another one on the way. Um, did that in any way affect? Or impede your willingness to join a dangerous job? Um, <clears throat> Did no. it ever even occur to you that it was, you know? A risk no, no, thing? no. I look. I, I, I don't know what the listeners going to think, but I hope the listeners and they hopefully know me really quite well by now. In that, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm a straight shooter. I'm honest. Um, and if I'm being honest, uh, yes, I'm aware that I've got a young family, but I also am aware that I'm going to be working for a long time. Yeah. I, I miss emergency services. There's no way on earth that I'm going to rejoin the New South Wales Police Force. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, the reason I didn't want to is that all my friends, yeah, they'd sort of become, um, they'd gone through the ranks of the police force. And I couldn't handle going back and starting off- From the beginning. The beginning and just being a low, I don't, look, lowly is not the right word. But, you know, can you imagine being a probationary constable? Again. You know, 11 years after. Yeah. It'd just be, you know, and I just couldn't do it. And I thought, no, I need to sort of re- reinvent things. And, and, and the fire brigade um, seemed like um, a possible a po- possibility. Right. Anyway, months and months later. And, and the thing is, you're continually training. Because it, it means nothing that I'd already got to that stage. Mm. You can be cut off at any time. You know, the government might say, all right, we just, we're freezing funding. We don't need any more firefighters. Um, so uh, a couple of months later, I got a, a letter, official letter, which I, again I've still got from Board of Fire Commissioners, and their logo was in red, which is quite appropriate. Mm. And um, it said, uh, "Congratulations, we'd, you've now progressed to the third stage." Now the third stage, Jesus. fuck me, that was it was called the Pat Test, and you had to go into um, Elizabeth Street in the mm. city into a um, into a sort of a 30-story skyscraper. Yep. Um, had no idea, zero idea how to prepare myself. It just You just knew you had to be incredibly fit. You go into this uh, office and there's a lot of preliminary medical checks, hearing tests, and everything's fairly cool. Then you go into this room and as God is my witness and all the fire is listening to this, um, will, 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 this will sort of bring back memories. They had this... I can only describe it as like a set of kind of monkey bars with... It was like a a wooden, fairly complex, hollow sort of wooden cube, Uh but with lots and lots of rails at different heights. How big was this thing? Uh, Well, it was in an office. 
isn't that weird? Like on the fifteenth floor or something, in a normal carpeted office, is this can is this structure? Yeah. And you were given incredibly detailed instruction, so it was incredibly physically demanding, but also mentally challenging. And what you had to do, and they explained it in in very minor sort of minute detail, mm-hmm. you had to sort of spring up, feet first, climb through, and negotiate and crawl and elevate and pull yourself up and you're doing this incredibly complicated and it was mentally quite challenging just to remember what to do and you had to do this incredible almost sort of a an aerial ballet but once you'd finished it you had to do it again and again and again and they were timing you right and you had to do it within a certain period of time a certain number of times the correct way and that's always been regarded um, amongst people that I know that did that as being pretty full on. You were holding your hands about a foot apart, but I'm guessing this thing was as big as the room. Was oh this... no, it was as big as this. It was as big as this studio. Okay, okay. So it was this me... incredible. Um, I mean, who thought of that? It's just unbelievable. But it was testing uh, dexterity, strength, ability to agility, ability to remember, adapt, com- adapt yeah. to remember complex um, instructions. Uh-huh. And um, so I did all that, and then. Uh, couple of months ago it must have taken me <laughs> sounds like a year no, uh, it was it was about a year right one year and then finally i get this incredible letter congratulations john uh, the board of fire commissioners has uh, has recommended that you be uh, able to um, you know start a career with the new south wales fire brigades please report to alexandria right on a certain day would have been a monday and um in, in obviously in civilian clothes that was the beginning Wow, that was the beginning of uh, ten years. And while I was at the uh, the academy, mm. uh, you know, the, the the training college they called it, um, you basically were there for twelve weeks, and there were only ten people. So you and nine other people at this uh, training academy for for, for ten weeks. Mm. What are you doing during those ten weeks? Because it sounds like what they did was expect you to already know a lot of the skills you would need before you even enrolled. So what the hell are they teaching you over those ten weeks? Okay, well, actually, they don't expect you to know anything. Okay. They just they 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 bring you in. They they need to sort of mold you in a certain way. You know, you don't want to have any preconceived ideas about firefighting. Look, I actually, funnily enough, I actually forgot one of the most important things about joining the fire brigade. Okay. And that is that you also had to go before a panel interview of three people. Right. And that consisted of a public servant, a senior fire brigade officer. Mm-hmm and sometimes a police officer or someone that they brought in. And that was pretty intense as well. And I think that interview went for between 20 and 30 minutes. I I don't know how I forgot about that, but that was another part of the process. Do you know what stage that was at? Um, I think it may have been the final stage. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's stage four. Okay. Prior to getting in. Okay. But these these 10 weeks. Yeah, well, it could have been longer. It could have been 12 weeks. But you sort of, I mean... I'd not had any experience with real fire. Oh, yeah, this is completely worth mentioning. I mean, you've obviously dealt with... I mean, uh, people who've listened to the podcast or read Loose Units, the book, will know about the case of the witch. And, I mean, obviously you dealt with crimes in which people were burned. Mm. But And then there was that time when I was in my early teens when I set fire to a waterfall with petrol. Have we talked about that before? <laughs> Because that seems like that may have... Did that come up in the interview? The fact that you were a burgeoning arsonist? No. <laughs> not the sort of thing to talk about. But I look, I, I don't want to sort of sit here and go, you know, fire is uh, fascinating. But, I mean, how many people 
listening, how mm. many people in the world are not captivated if it's a nice cold night and you're sitting watching the flames come from a fire? Yeah. Just licking the black air. It's so beautiful. It's hypnotic. It's it's something very primal that comes out. Fire is really, really important mm. and has been so. You know, it, it enables us to cook food. It gives us warmth. And it makes... It's sort of... It's a bonding experience. And we'll get into that later on in future podcasts about what big fires do for time. And they, they, they make you feel like it's just this sense of camaraderie. Sure. And it's mighty powerful. Mm. Um, and here's a little fun fact that I am going to sort of say right now. And that is that, generally speaking, public absolutely love firefighters. Right. They love... I mean, look at those great guys in New York, September the 11th, yeah, uh, that, the, the, that went into the into the buildings. The first responders, yeah. Everyone else is trying to get out. They're going in. Here's a fun story. Well, maybe not fun, but it's certainly interesting. Um, one of the first responders who, um, you know, jumped back into active duty and volunteered for rescue duty was uh, Steve Buscemi, the actor. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, he used to be... Stay, he, was a, uh, he was a firefighter, and so he just put his stuff back on, ran down to his old firehouse and started rescuing people. And pulling... That's incredible. Yeah, incredible guy. Amazing. Yeah, and the first responders, obviously. I, I guess that we are in a time where um, people are thinking about firefighters and firefighting a lot. Um, and it seems like we get big, big fires every every so often. What was the first... <laughs> do you remember the first fire that you put out, whether it was a practice fire or not? Like, Do you, do you remember what it was like to put out a fire for the first time? Hmm. Yeah, we did it at the, at the college, obviously. Look, uh, also something really weird. They gave us these weird outfits. Like, we, they, they gave us these sort of... Uh, they gave us black woolen pants. They gave us knee-high leather boots mm. that were amazing. And, um, yeah, it was just... Um, did they let you keep your uniform? Um, yeah, yeah, you kept it. But the thing is that when I joined the fire brigade, we used to wear what was called the lion tamer's suit whoa i've been trying to dig up some photographs of it it'll be pretty easy to find but they were just all black we wore these white plastic helmets um and i've been to fires where fires had come out of a fire and the helmet had melted Jesus onto their head christ um but yeah and we had brass buttons yes, so I- everything was sort of brass everything had to be brassoed polished yeah. it was very kind of dickensian all right so let's tell the story of your first fire next week on uh, hot stuff coming through. Has the name grown on you at all of the podcast or do you still think it's odd to be calling it hot Um, stuff coming through? Well, it sounds like the title of a cheap porn film. Well, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Loose Units, Hot Stuff Coming Through. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes and we will see you next week for more of Dad's time as a firefighter in the New South Wales Fire and Rescue. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're 
so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you acast powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.